0: So, Bob's not here, and Justin's not here, um, but we have a wonderful guest who's going to share a message with us this morning. Steve Sewell has been here before, and he is many things. He has been a pastor, an author, a speaker, a grief counselor, and educator, Uh, but most of all, he's been a long time and really good friend to Bob and many of the folks here in our church. So, will you join me this morning in welcoming Steve Sewell? Hey, good morning! Glad to be here with you. It's nice to see some familiar faces, and uh, always, I'll always love being here. You guys look great for uh, 2016. You feel good? Uh, okay, so, sorry. <laughs> hey, I just want to. Um, I just want to take a moment. Uh, did you catch that? You that this congregation raised. Close over eighteen thousand dollars for others did you catch that that 's amazing i don 't know how many people go here. how many people uh, call this their home, but that is astonishing that 's great in my tradition uh, in, in my uh, in my faith tradition, we have a way of celebrating things uh, and I'd like for you to try it with me it's kind of it's, uh, it might be kind of different for you but um, when something like this happens, when when we do something that is, well, it's actually it's unheard of because everybody just looks right at them. At the Christmas time, everybody's spending on their own separate people, or they just look at themselves. They can't look past their own nose. But you did something com- completely different. And what we always do in my, in our faith traditions is is we applaud the Lord. And you might think, well, you know, I, I applaud the Lord by walking. <laughs> I applaud the Lord by just saying, hey, way to go, you know, dude, you know. Um, but um, I, I, would, I would like for you, if you, if you, if you feel like you can, uh, and be able to say truly, God, you are so great. Thank you. Let's do it. Let's do it. Lord, thank you. Wow. Lord, this is for you. I think when we get in the habit of applauding God for the efforts that He's giving to us, I mean, gosh, can you? If if you didn't raise that money, if God didn't put it in your heart and He didn't stir that up in in your spirit, then that would have not happened. So you're a big part of that, and uh, so I just want to I don't I want to say thank you just from a from an outsider. Uh, it's incredible. If you have your Bible, uh, and I'm sure that we might have some uh, Bible verses on the screen maybe, um, turn to Isaiah. It's in the middle of the, of the Bible, shortly uh, after the book of Psalms, and we're going to look at two verses, and I always love um, taking just a, a, a little bit of Scripture and being able to uh, get as much out of as I can. It's kind of like um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really priming a pump and really asking God, Lord, I, you know, I'm looking at these two verses. I'm looking at this one, one verse or this one chapter. Lord, I want to get as much out of this as you possibly can. That's always a good thing to do. It's always a good uh, way to, 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 look at your, uh, to, to look at your Bible is to be able to say, Lord, what do you have for me today? What's in this for me? A lot of people say, well, you know, the Bible's uh, kind of outdated, or, uh, you know, hey, I can't really get everything. I don't really understand everything. It's really not written. Uh, you know, sometimes the culture is a little different, so you have to kind of dissect that you kind of decipher through th- some things. But the beautiful thing is that every time you look at the Word of God, every time, even if you've heard the message before, even if, if, uh, even if you've read the verse before, every time you open the Word of God, it never ever returns for it. It never, ever returns for it. In other words, you're always going to be able to get something from it. You're always going to learn something. It might be for your family. It might be just for you. It might be for a, a transition that might be coming place. It might even actually be for someone else that you have to open your mouth for to share to someone else. And that person, that someone else might be you. So you you really want other people in the church next to you to be able to say, Hey, you better listen up here. This word might be for me. <laughs> or, hey, you know, and, and a lot of times, you know, I grew up with my grandma. She says, hey, you better listen to this. This is for you, you know. Or my spouse, you know, m- m- my wife sometimes will, you know, say, hey, that was a good point. Did you get that? Did you write that down? <laughs> I'm like, hey, shut up. <laughs> but there's some, there's some power in the, in the, in the Bible. I, I want you to think for a second. The darkest time in your life. The darkest time in your life. Think about that for a second. The hardest. The most challenging. The time that you weren't sure if you were going to make it. The time that it was so rough that even your friends... Or wondering if you were going to make it. The time that you, mom, worried more about you. Or that if you're a mother or a father, you were worried more than anything else. The darkest time. Think about that in your mind. I visited with a couple people this uh, last couple weeks. Their finances... We're in trouble. You ever been there? There was going to be a reversal, and there was going to be a ruin. You didn't know what to do. I talked to another uh, family this week, um, and they, they came to me, and they said, uh, Steve, I, I just, I don't know what to do because my children are just going the opposite way of where we're going. What do we do with that? And the mom sat and cried as the father was trying to console her. What do you do in those dark times? Uh, Talk to another uh, person, and they were unsettled in their job. Uh, Everything was going fine. They had gotten a promotion, and everything was fine, but there was a little unsettledness. You know what that feels like? You don't know how long it's going to last, or you don't know what's going to happen. You just feel this uneasiness, and it makes you uncomfortable. So it kind of, when the lights go out, so to speak, you know you still got the comfort of the job coming. You still got the paycheck coming in. You still got some, some, uh, some sort of resolve, but it's almost like eh, something's going to happen here. I don't know what it is. Talked to another person uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, basically, their heart was broken. You're heartbroken. You don't know what to do. Sometimes it's physical loss that occurs. I did a funeral for uh, a friend uh, just before Christmas, and, and um, their brother passed away. How do you explain loss at Christmas time? <laughs> How do, you, how do you work through that? Some of the darkest times, you, I asked you what your darkest times were. The most important thing that if you could pick up anything uh, that I'm going to say today that I would hope that you would be able to grasp, and if you write these things down or if you like to take notes, I'm going to give you some scriptures and stuff like that. But if, if, uh, if you, if, if you want to pick up anything, here's, here's the core of what I'm talking about today. When the lights go out, who do you trust? When all hell breaks loose, what are you going to do? And I love what Isaiah chapter 50, verse 9 and 10 says. And this is, uh, I'm just going to pull these right out of the scriptures and pull these right out and you're going to be able to see this. Verse 9 it says, it is the sovereign Lord who helps me. Who is he that he will condemn me. They will wear out like a garment. The moths will eat them up. Verse 10, who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let him who walks in the dark and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. I'd like to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would illuminate these words that are on our pages of our Bible, that you will light them up for us, that we would understand and see and grasp and take root and and have a good understanding of what these things mean for me, for us, for this congregation, and for these individual, wonderful, dear people. Father, I pray from the youngest that's here to the very oldest that's here that we won't miss something that's in this for us. Jesus, I trust you for this message, for these group, for these people, in the name of Christ. Amen. A lot of people will say that this was written for um, weary Christians. A lot of people will say that this was written for um, people that were not strong in their faith like they should have been. Um, God's not wagging his finger at you. And saying, you should be better. You should have a better faith than this. You should know how to pray better than this. And as long as you've been trusting God, you, you should be doing this. You know, He doesn't wave his finger at us. He doesn't wag his finger in front of us and, and tell us what we should, could, would have, and shame on you. What this is saying is that it's tough walking in darkness. But I want to propose to you that in the darkness, it's where we find some incredible things. And, and if we turn to the Lord, there is a beautiful light that comes on. It sounds totally cliche-ish. But there is something that happens that when you trust God in the middle of some darkness... When you trust God when you don't know what to do. When you trust God when you don't like the class that you're in. When you trust God when you don't like what your children are doing. When you trust God when the money's not there. God does something during that time that's amazing. God turns things around. He doesn't do it because, just because you're suffering. I think suffering is good. I talk about that all the time. People say, I don't want to suffer. And I say, well, good luck with that. Nobody wants to suffer. Nobody wants to go through the grieving process of losing a friend. No one wants to go through the grieving process of watching their wife go through cancer. No one wants to watch their children suffer through the bad consequences of choices. Nobody, no, nobody wants that, but I can tell you that, I'll just be honest, after, after smoking weed, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> after smoking weed, I didn't make good choices, and I had to pay the consequences of that. After not spending my money wisely, you have to pay the consequences of that, Right? After telling your wife to be quiet in a not-so-nice way, you have to pay the consequence of that. I mean, you're in the doghouse. You know, some of you guys are going, yeah, I'm out there right now, man. (laughs) But there's something special about being able to trust in the Lord. John 16, verse 33 says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world, Jesus says. And so that's what this whole thing is about. And, you know, the understanding that, you know, all life is all honey, no bees, everything's great, you know, that's not, that's not real. Because there are dark days. Job 19, verse 8, God has put darkness in my path. Job was a man of God, working through the, the, the regular stuff, just like you and I. And what happens a whole bunch of stuff goes down on him. What does he do during the whole entire time? Trust in the Lord. Habakkuk, verse uh, 2 in chapter 1. How long shall I cry out and not hear from you, O God? Have you ever prayed that way? <laughs> I've prayed that way. Sometimes where I like, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm following you. You got my name. I know that. You know all my, all my hairs on my head, as little as I have, according to my daughter. And it, it, but where are you? Why aren't, you, why aren't you coming to my rescue? Why haven't you stepped in? I don't need anything more but you to fix this. I know people that have been struggling through the consequences of and just one thing after another, and they can't get any relief. And it's like, where are you, God? Have you ever prayed that way? I love John the Baptist. Who, he's one of my favorite people. Uh, People in the Bible, and I, he pretty much said this, are you really the Messiah Jesus, or should I continue to look somewhere else? <laughs> so sometimes I believe that. Sometimes I'm looking at the Lord and say, Lord, are you sure you got me? Are you sure you got this right? Are you sure you know who I am? Are you sure I'm, I'm the Steve Sewell? There's another guy named Scott, but I'm not him. Are you sure you got my family? Are you sure you're watching over the Sewells? You know you got Mike and Mark and Dan and Sam. Have you forgotten about Have you forgotten about them? Have you forgotten about our situation? What do you do when the lights go out? Some people run, and they run to any light they possibly can find, and they usually run into the wrong light. Some people try to create their own light. They try to light a whole bunch of other flames. They try to hold, and they, they might try to go back to light an old flame. It sounds like a country song, doesn't it? And they try to find new things or new ways or to create something new, and it doesn't work. Some people will try to find other people's light and stand underneath that light because they think, well... They're better than I am, or they're good. Their light's on, so why don't I just stand underneath their light? But what if, what if God ordains your darkness for a time? What if God says, I'm going to turn the lights off in your house? Not to say, let's see what you do. Not that wagging of the finger thing, but being able to say, I want to teach you some things, but you can only learn them while you're trusting in me. Church, uh, listen, I'm the first one to say I don't want suffering to happen. I don't want that to take place. But I do know, I do know some things about when the lights go out. And those are the kind of things that I guess I wanted to be able to come alongside you, be able to put my arm around you and say, hey, this is what's happening in my life, and maybe it's occurring also in your life. Those who follow Jesus, those who follow Jesus usually know something about darkness. Those who follow Jesus usually know something about darkness. What do you know about darkness, about the time that you were suffering through and that time that I identified earlier? couple points here. Number one, faith that is born in the light usually, usually is developed in the dark. Faith that is born in the light of God is usually developed through times of suffering. Our struggles, our challenges, our suffering, our challenges, they, they tend to mature us. They tend to rub out things in our life. I bet there's every single one of you on every single row of, of, of someone here that would be able to say, out of the darkness, I learned these things. I learned how to respect more, or I learned something a little bit differently. And those are the kind of things that are developed. It's like old-time photography. I don't know if you have any photography buffs here, but it used to be that, that you would take these pieces of paper, you would take a, a photograph and it would be like nothing. You couldn't see it on the paper. And then all of a sudden, you'd see it become developing in this dark room after putting it in chemicals. And sometimes I think the Lord is, is creating a dark room for us so that we could mature, so we could rise up out of this ashes of nothing. I spoke with somebody last night. It's an amazing story, and I won't go into the whole story, but he told me, he says, Steve, out of the dark pit of three years of not knowing and feeling very good about myself, I learned, and he talked about the five or six things that he learned. And I was just standing there, and I was just amazed. I said, Dave, that's incredible. I said, you would have never learned that. He says, yeah, I know it. And maybe I could have learned that a few years ago before But for some reason, I picked it all up. And I said, how did did you start learning that? And he says, because I just started trusting God. Sometimes that's all we got to do, folks. Sometimes all you got to be able to say is, okay, Lord, this sucks, but I'm going to trust you. I don't know what I'm going to do for this summer because I don't have a job, but I'm going to trust you. I don't know how I'm going to make this marriage work because she's driving me crazy, but I'm going to trust you. I can't wait till I get out of my home, every kid says, but in the meantime, I'm going to trust you. I can't wait to get out of chemistry, but in the meantime, I'm going to trust you. I can't wait to get through winter. I'm a little jaded, actually, with Bob and the group going to Haiti or wherever they are, I say that facetiously because I want to be somewhere warm. I can't stand anything, you know, below 60. (laughs) I'm a California boy. (laughs) So this winter, it stinks. And I just say, okay, Lord, I'm trusting you to get me through this. Hurry up. (laughs) There's something about the darkness that takes us there. And it's all about the word trust. If you go back to verse 10, it says... Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust. That's a great word to circle. It's a great word to underline or highlight, to trust. What does it mean to trust? Thomas Watson says, when reason cannot wade, our faith must swim. Sometimes things just don't make sense. And that's when we have to just swim in trust we just have to trust. 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verse 14 and 15 talk about it and says, but as you continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know that those who whom you learned it and how from infancy you have had the holy scriptures which were able to make you wise through salvation. The development of making people wise is challenges. Trusting in the challenges. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. We live by faith, not by sight. And sometimes when we're married, sometimes things are, don't look the way that they, we want them to. So we have to trust in the marriage. Psalm 46, verse 1 and 2. It says, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in what? Trouble. In the middle of trouble. He's our help. He's our strength. He's our refuge. <laughs> Psalm 37 Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and save trouble. Take the light in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Trust in the Lord. Lean on his understanding, not your own, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. And 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety upon him because what? He cares for you. Church, when you and I trust in the Lord, you know what We say. We say, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to count on you to carry me. I'm going to count on you. It's a great word for trust. If if I trust my wife, I'm, gonna, I'm basically saying, Melissa, I'm counting on you. When I trust my friend Jeff, I'm saying, Jeff, I'm counting on you. When I trust my daughter Sam to never have a boyfriend again. <laughs> She's 14. She's never going to have a boyfriend. <laughs> I trust that. I, I, I'm counting on you. But even in the counting on, sometimes, does that look weird? Yeah? Does it feel funny sometimes? Is it not right? I'm looking at this couple over here that's holding this precious baby. How old is it? Almost two months? Three months. Oh, man. I remember that time. I love that time. Some of my favorite times are holding my kids and falling asleep on the couch. Love that. But we don't know the outcome of what this cute little guy is going to be. We don't know what the outcome is. I hold my daughter before she goes to basketball games, and I'm hoping that she's going to score great points and team's going to win, but that doesn't always happen. But I'm trusting that she's going to remember the things that she's learned. I'm going to trust that God has got everything in mind. God's promises never changed, so we ought to be trusting in the Lord. Our faith is also developed by the word of God. And I will tell you that's right now, that if you're in the Bible daily, if you're in the Bible daily, then you will trust daily. I'll say that again. When you're in the Bible daily, then you will trust daily. Why? Because your focus, your attention is on the word of God. Remember how I said that every time you're in the word of God, it never returns void? Well, that's really, really true. When you and I would spend time reading God's word and studying it and understanding it for ourselves, that's where, that's where we learn how to trust. And that's when in the darkness, and it doesn't make sense. That's the beautiful thing about the Bible. It kind of lights up the way. The Word of God is a light into our feet, a light into our path. That's exactly what's happening. I'm getting ready to uh, write a second book. The first book I did was, uh, it's called At a Loss, and it, and it uh, talks about g- grief and helping others. Well, this, my next book is, is going to be The Next 40 Days. So That's what it's going to be called, The Next 40 Days. And it's going to be a journal. So you, could, you would be able to take 40 days in the middle of your suffering, in the middle of your sorrow, in the middle of whatever else that's going on in your life, you'd be able to concentrate on God's Word around the book of Psalms. For 40 days. And I'm saying as a promise, as the author of the book, I'm saying that at the end of 40 days, you, I, don't, I can't guarantee that you will be healed of your suffering. But I can tell you that God will show you amazing things while you're suffering. That when you get done with suffering, whenever that time is done, you'll be stronger, you'll be clear in your mind, and your heart will be pure. That's what I'm, I'm promising. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Uh, can I, uh, another thing, uh, um, another principle that I think happens in the darkness is sometimes we can only see things in the dark. Sometimes you can only see things in the dark. Obvious example, you can see stars at night, you can see fireflies at night. And I think the same thing is true for for the Lord. I know when Melissa and I were going through a really difficult time in debt, everybody handles debt. Everybody has a a, a little or a lot or a huge amount of debt. I think the average American uh, age 30 has about $36,000 in debt. It's pretty incredible. And when we, I think it was about 12, 13 years ago, we were in some serious, serious debt. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we were trying to figure out what to do. And we took this course called the Financial Peace University and it really helped us define some things. But in the middle of that course, in, in the middle of that discovery of what we were spending our money on, we didn't realize what we were spending our money on. We were going out to eat. We were buying unnecessary things. We were spending money foolishly and frivolously. We had no plan for our money, so our money was telling us what we were going to be doing. It sounds, you know, like, hey, this is everybody's life. But it's amazing when we attached a purpose to every single dollar and no dollar went unaccounted for, we realized, oh my goodness, we changed our financial portfolio completely. It took us about 11 years to get out of that. Let me tell you something. We learned so much about what it means to trust God in the middle of that darkness time. There were some times where we ate beans and rice. There were some times where we had pork chops because <laughs> it's cheap every night. But God took care of us. God took care of us. And sometimes the only thing that we can see is nothing. Can I say that we see a lot of things, but maybe the Lord's saying to you, will you stop looking at everything? Will you stop looking at everything? Will you stop being consumed by every single thing? Would you stop wanting to see everything? Would you stop trying to make sense of every single thing And sometimes I think the Lord just says, let's just turn the lights off so you can't see anything so that you can trust in me. Sometimes I think a blind person has a much better life. Or a deaf person, I'm hard of hearing, I take off my hearing aids and I can't hear hardly anything. And sometimes it's just great to take the hearing aids off. I don't want to hear the dogs barking. I don't want to hear the fighting. I don't want to hear the TV. I, don't want, I just want to tune everything out because I just need to hear from God. You're blind. You can't hear. But God speaks to you. Church, maybe you need to ask the Lord to turn everything off. Maybe that's what God wants to do in your life is to just turn everything off so that you can hear and you can trust him. Relying on God means that we trust even when we can't see. Another principle I uh, bring to you is it's better to serve God in the darkness. It's better to serve God in the darkness than to be standing alone in mad made light. It's better to serve God when No one else is around, and you don't know exactly what's going on than to create your own light, start up your own ministry, start up your own thing. I was really scared about starting my own business. I was really scared about whether or not I could go into companies and talk to them about my own faith and about... Values of change and values of ed- going through adversity, and what do we do when the manager of the company steals money? What do we do when, when employees can't get along? So I come into those companies and in these organizations and I help bring some resolve. I help, 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 I help them get together, help them work together and build retention and, and uh, resiliency and, and team engagement and things like that. But I was really nervous. I was nervous because this is something that I've never done before. So, God, are you, are you doing this, or am I just trying to create some income? And I really had to go through a little dark time. I had to really to discover. Somebody asked me earlier, he said, Well, S- Steve, you should write a book about grief. And I said, I've never written a book about grief before, so I, I, don't, think, I don't think God wants me to do that. Have you ever, have you ever said things like that? Like it, if somebody says something or you think of something and because you haven't done it before, you say, oh, well, no. <laughs> I do that all the time. I second guess myself. I don't even listen to God. I'm a pastor, and sometimes I don't listen to God. It would be a game, game show Listen, I'm a freak just like you are. (laughs) Sometimes I don't listen. It takes God having to turn the lights off. I want to encourage you that when the lights are off, just wait. Just wait. One thing that I always say when, when uh, people are going through difficult struggles and they say, well, what am I supposed to do right now? I, am I just supposed to sit around and wait for it to happen? And my response is I sit back and I go, yeah, you're supposed to wait. But while you're waiting, instead of worrying, let's worship. Instead of worrying, worship the Lord. Sometimes people say, well, I need a band to worship the Lord. I need a song to worship the Lord. I need, I need that perfect setting. I need to be in the church on the third row, second to this left, and I need, to, I need to be, you know, I need to be led, you know. No. To sit and to wait and to worship is just to be in awe of God and, and just be able to say, Lord, I need you. Sometimes it requires lifting your hands. If you've never lifted your hands before, it's so, oh my gosh, it's so freeing during worship. I feel like I'm surrendering, and I can't run. If you ever try to run with your hands up, you look like a dork. And try, try it at home, you know, when no one else is looking. <laughs> but it, Lord, I just, I just surrender to you. I just surrender, and it, I don't know what is going to happen with my marriage. I don't know what's going to happen with this job. I am going to kill my boss. Lord, protect me from killing him. Lord, I deserve this raise. I have worked here for 13 years. That bozo who came in off the street, he just got that promotion. I should be that guy. But Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. I don't understand what my kids are going through. I'm going to kill them. I'm going to punch them all in the face. Line up, children. (laughs) I'm going to trust you during this time. Hold back my fist, Lord. (laughs) That's a form of worship. And for those of you who are thinking, well, my parents don't understand, you could do that same thing. Lord, I want to punch my dad in the throat. Would you help me not do that? (laughs) Because I know I'll be grounded for life. I want a car. I want to go to prom. All the other stuff. Lord, would you, would you talk to my dad because he won't let me date. <laughs> Whatever it is, Lord. Instead of, instead of worrying, instead of divulging up some sort of plan, I'm going to get them. I'm going to let them suffer. If I'm suffering, then everybody suffers. Not having that kind of mentality, right? Instead of doing that, Trust, wait, worship. Trust, wait, worship. The last thing I want to share with you: if the sun has set on your life right now, maybe that means retirement. Maybe that means it seems like things are kind of coming to a close in a season of your life or an area of your life. You're not sure about what's happening next the sun will rise again. If you're not sure, if the sun is setting, the sun will rise again. And here's what I mean by that. Psalm 30, verse 5. says, may your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. May your hand be ready for me, Because I have chosen your precepts. Here's the deal. When you trust and you wait and you not worry but you worship, during that time, you're being developed. You're being nurtured. You're being carved. You're being molded. You're being in a maturing process. It is then... When God sees all these things being completed and He has His plan and He turns the lights on, look who's ready. You're ready. You're ready for the next season. Some of you are not ready for the lights to be turned on yet because you're too busy doing this. You're too busy being angry about what's happening. Folks, Can I just come right next to you and say, it's okay to be angry at God because things have not happened the way that you want them to be happening. But while you're working through that, try to trust in the Lord. But maybe you're here today and you sit back and you go, man, I haven't seen this thing happen yet and I've been waiting. I've been tithing. I've been bringing my Bible to church. I've been reading, and I can't, and you haven't done anything yet, God. What's up? Turn that into a form of worship. There's been a lot of times where I prayed when I was a pastor. Lord, there are 150 seats here. I want them to be filled because of your kingdom. I had great intentions. I wanted to have a good group of people that serve Jesus. No other reasons. And the Lord said, no. He gave me 30 people, 40 people, 50 people, and then he dropped it down to 30 people. And I kept thinking, man, what is wrong? Meanwhile, this church named Wellspring has 100 people, 200 people, they, they found a building that was an incredible find, and now look at them. And I told Bob, I, I, I told Bob, I said, Bob, I am jealous of you, and I'm envious of you. And he just smiled. And he goes, yeah, but you don't know what I have to go through. I said, I would kill. I would give Sam. Sam. You can have her. She's not worth anything anyway. Just kidding. Really, I am. And Bob just said, you wait because God's doing something in your life. And I had no idea that I would be doing what I'm doing now. And I feel like this is like the best time in the world. I feel like I'm on the mountaintop and you're not. That's the way I feel. Because I feel like after waiting and worshiping and trusting in the Lord, oh, man, thank you, God. Thank you for doing this. Now I get to come to Wellspring. Can I tell you, that, can I just say, I hope you guys don't think this is weird, but it was on my bucket list to come and, and speak at Wellspring before last time. You know why? Because word on the street is, this is a great church. Because you guys raise $18,000 for somebody besides yourself. Because there's tons of young people here. Because people here want to make a difference out there. Because you have a banjo in worship. Man, isn't that hot? (laughs) Folks, let me tell you something. When you trust in the Lord, when you wait, when you not worry but you worship the Lord during the darkness times, someone asks you the question, what do I do when I don't know what I'm supposed to do? You could say, oh, come with me. I want to help you trust in the Lord. We're going to end our time uh, with, a, with a worship song. and Team, you can come on up. Um. I feel led to say this. Maybe you're here today trying to, if you will, kind of kind of focus on me. I know the guys are coming up, the team is coming up, but focus on this. It's very possible that you're here and you're trying to turn on the lights. I would like to just encourage you to... Stop doing that. Stop trying to turn the lights on. Rest in the unsettledness of darkness. And if you have to, lift your hands and say with your mouth, God, I don't know what this is like. And I don't like this, but I'm going to choose to trust you. It might, it might feel like it's going to kill you. It might feel like all hell is going to break loose in your life, and everything that is coming down on you is going to crash on you right on your head. It's going to feel weird. But I know that the Lord says in his scripture that when the lights are not on, I can trust the Lord. And that's where I would encourage you today. You can trust the Lord even when the lights are not on. You can trust the Lord when your parents are driving you crazy. You can trust the Lord when the financial things are not in place. You can trust the Lord when your daughter wants to date when she's 14. She's not allowed to date anyway. I can trust the Lord. I can trust the Lord when my marriage is maybe not so great. I can trust the Lord when things are not together why because i 've learned that I can trust in the Lord, it sounds easy, yeah, it is it sounds easy to say, much, much harder to do. Would you stand with me? I want to make myself available um, right after um, right after the service and i 'm just going to be hanging around here. I would love to pray for you I would love to uh, I would love to meet you, shake your hand and uh, agree with you in prayer, and, and maybe you want to talk about something. I'd love to do that. Uh, I'm just gonna, so I'm just gonna be right around here, and I'd love to just meet you. It, sometimes it just takes a, a a step of faith and says, "Okay, I, I I'm gonna, I'm choosing today to trust in the Lord. I don't know what this is like, but I'm gonna choose to trust the Lord." Maybe that's a first time thing for you. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ in your heart, and maybe that needs to be the first thing that you do. Is is say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender my all, and here I am. I'd love to meet you down at the front. Uh, Other people I know can pray for you too. It's not the magic thing here to have the preacher or guest guy pray for you, but I would love to pray for you then. So thank you very, very much. Go for it, man.